You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, I have another great football coach with me, Coach Blackburn. Um, I reached out. I'm just reaching out to coaches, and he was gracious enough to come on this lonely little podcast of mine. Uh, So, Coach, welcome. Uh, For anybody that may not know who you are, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, first off, uh, thanks for having me, Coach. I really appreciate it. Uh, My name is Dan Blackburn. I'm currently the offensive coordinator and O-line coach at Akron High School in Freeport, Illinois. We're a 1A uh, private school uh, with a lot of tradition. Uh, you know, just I, I started there, the, will be my third year once we ever get into this season at some point, hopefully, in the spring. Um, just, yeah, I had a great experience so far over there. I, prior to that, for 11 years, I was coaching at Freeport High School here in town. Uh, in a variety of capacities, but my last probably about five or six years is kind of in a similar role where I am now, offensive line coach and offensive coordinator. So I was able to work with some good people that allowed me to do both, you know, sometimes a little challenging to mix O-line and offensive coordinator, but like I've been fortunate enough to, we've been able to work with some good staff that allowed me to, you know, leave the O-line at time with uh, another good, some other good coaches that we have so I can go and work with the skills that time. But so yeah, that's kind of where I've been. I, you know, like I said, this will be the 14th year coaching. Um, you know, primarily my focus always has been whole line. I've worked with skills a little bit here and there, you know, as I feel like if you're going to be the offensive coordinator, you gotta kind of have to know the lay of the land with the other positions. But you know, I've been basically whole line and offensive coordinator for the last couple of years. Well, back in the day, Offense coordinators were offensive line coaches, and then now we've yeah. kind of 
graduated towards quarterback coaches or wide receivers coaches are now OCs. And uh, like my head coach was the offensive coordinator, but he was the line coach too. So uh, uh, yeah, it's a great to have another O-line coach on here. I'm offensive line as well, but I've coached everything at some point and uh, I can't get away from O-line as much as I may want to do something else. They're like, Oh, you're an old line guy. Got you. Like, uh, yep. uh, so like I told you before I recorded, so the first question I asked to ease coaches into this, cause some people may not have done this before. I'm still horrible at this podcast stuff. Yeah. I'm still going. Um, so how'd you get into coaching? Because I've said it a million times to people, it's rewarding. It's challenging. I have gray coming in somewhere. I'm mm-hmm. losing hair. I'm losing my hair. It's shiny here. Probably. I have a webcam so to stop the shininess of, so how'd you get into this? So at first stop, well, I was thinking I was going to be broadcasting major. I went down to Western Illinois University. I had some opportunities to play some Division three football, but it's kind of beat up after high school football. And I just decided, you know, I was thinking about it. Do I want to go, you know, at that time, maybe pay 30, 40 grand to go to a D3 private school, which obviously there are a lot of great ones. But, you know, our family was kind of, you know, smack dab in the middle, middle class. We weren't getting a ton of aid, so it was going to be paying a ton of money long term with a lot of debt to go and play D3 football or just go to state school. So I chose to go to state school and kind of preserve my body a little bit. Um, And then as I got into my broadcasting experiences early on, I just, you know, the numbers that they told me as far as people getting jobs weren't weren't really what I wanted to hear. So I. You know, I always kind of knew, I originally thought maybe being a history teacher, um, but I was like, yeah, no, I kind of want, I knew I wanted to get into coaching and I knew probably one of the easiest ways to get into coaching was probably going into physical education. So, you know, I, I graduated mid-year um, down from Western at that time, back in 2006, you know, looking for opportunities, looking for jobs and weren't finding anything right away just because back then there were still, I think, a a lot of teachers I know right now were having a little bit more of a teacher shortage across the country, um, looking for jobs. And I was able to just get a long-term subbing opportunity here in uh, the Freeport School District, where I, I currently still teach. Um, and it was literally, I'm not kidding you, it was the week of the first game. I went to the current head football coach, Terry Wernz, who's now retired at Freeport High School, and just went to him and said, hey, Coach Wernz, you know, this was coming Freeport was just coming off of some really good season. You know, won three at the time, Nick nine titles in a row. They won 30 something games in a row. I said, I, I would just love to help out in any capacity. So he said, sure. Yeah, we got an opportunity for you. We're actually, you know, one spot we still have available. So it's like, you're going to be thrown right in, coach some D backs and coach some tight ends, which I knew nothing about. You know, my, I played out. So here I am trying to scramble around, trying to figure out how to coach D-backs a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, it was a, quite an interesting learning curve. So I was trying to grab any book or video I could get my hands on to try to teach just anything real basic to some of the guys that I was working with. So, I, you know, I greatly appreciated his opportunity. And from there, I just, um, you know, I got to learn more from people that we had on staff and just tried to soak up anything I could get my hands on going to clinics uh, sitting with coaches. So, you know, I've always kind of considered myself a football junkie and just whatever I could get my hands on to try to learn. I, I went about that route and, you know, here I am uh, 14 years later trying to still do the same thing. So very fortunate that I'll be able to work with him. And it's kind of funny, my old offensive coordinator and offensive line coach that I had when I was in high school came over to Freeport and started working there my second year. So, I learned a ton from them too. Uh, Jake Rankin and Craig Jenkins. They had won a state title at Aquin in 2005. So I learned a ton from those guys because this was only a couple of years after they did that. So I was able to pick their brain and I sat with them. We broke down film after games and learned how they did a lot of things that they do as far as grading, which I still kind of use the format that I learned from them my you know second year. Or so. You know, I was just very appreciative of those guys. Uh, like I said, Terry Wernst learned a lot from him. 
you know, very good head coach and defensive coordinator at Freeport for a long time. And then Jake Rankin and Craig Jenkins. And then, you know, Aaron Wickman came in. He's was working. He had worked out at Burlington Central and Elgin as so learned a ton from him, you know, for four or five, six years. I don't know however long he was there, but was a great uh, mentor as well. So I've had an opportunity to coach with some good guys who I learned a lot from. Um, so you always, you just always have coached in the Freeport area, just nowhere yep. else. Yep. So it's been really those two places, uh, Freeport High School and Aquin, which Aquin was my alma mater. So it was kind of nice going back after 11 years at Freeport. I was just kind of ready for a change after, you know, instead of 11 years, just needed to do something different, just kind stagnant so I mean the opportunity arose at uh, Aquin and one of the guys on our staff at Freeport Brock Kunder had gotten the job and at that time when I resigned I was thinking maybe I might even just take a year off uh, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do necessarily is just kind of burned out a little bit so I was just maybe re needed to recharge the batteries and then he got the opportunity at Aquin and then I asked him if hey I'd come along and help you out if you need it and he was very fortunate and we've uh, worked very well together and, you know, another great friend and a great mentor and a guy who has done a great job at Aquin. And, you know, I was just very happy to be a part of that. Some successes we've had over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, this is my fifth high school. So I've jumped around a little bit, but <clears throat> um, two by, they're all been by choice. It's always been a step up, if that makes sense. Like, um, I was at East Aurora last year, and I did not want to leave. That was a sick moment, but it was a step up. It was – I was offense coordinator at Charleston, too, so I've had the taste of offense coordinator. And when I came up to the suburbs, I had to restart, like, volunteer at Lombard East. Yeah. I got a paid spot at East Aurora. Then Addison's like, we need a, a run game coordinator. Yeah. which is a nice way of saying you're going to be the offensive line coach. Like that's, it's a nice way, but it's just going back up. Um, Cause some people go five, five high schools, you suck or whatever. Like, no, I was never fired. I could put that up mm -hmm. there. Was... Looking for a good point. <laughs> no, I totally get it. I was fortunate, I guess that, I guess it would have been my third year into coaching. I was basically thrusted right into that offensive. Maybe it was fourth year. Fourth year in, I was given the keys to of the offense as the offensive coordinator. Ready or not, I had to do what I could. And, you know, I went from there and tried to do the best I could. So I was learning on the fly as probably a – there's my kid poking in. 27-year-old kid still learning a ton about the game and obviously don't know, you know – ton now but I, I obviously I've learned over the years but yeah it was quite a learning curve getting thrown in that young to a position like that yeah um when I came off at coordinator I was like 25 maybe mm -hmm. the head coach I was working for he's my good friend he had some personal things going on and he had to resign the first day of practice right. and so the D coordinator became the head coach and I was the guy that knew the offense behind the head coach, and they looked at me and said, Steve, here you go. <laughs> I said, okay. So yeah. we had practice. We really mm -hmm. didn't do a lot of team. I sat in the office until nighttime, like, what are we going to do? Like, I I'm 25 years old, and uh, I played book. We went from here and started to do this. and it was, That's a long story. But, yeah, it's yeah. you just adapt to it. You just coach. and. Mm -hmm. It's all you can do. And really? I, I, a part of me wishes I was never an offense coordinator that young because now that's what I want and that's mm -hmm. what I think about. And, but I learned how not to do things as well. Yeah, no, that's definitely one thing I would say. Those things that I was trying to do maybe when I was 26, 20, I don't even know how old I was, 26, I would say 27, are not necessarily the things I'm doing now at 36. So I've definitely learned a lot. And, I said, wow, what was I doing back then? You know, I needed to scrap that and get back to more doing the basics of things, you know, so quite the learning curve, no doubt. Right. Um, so when you got into coaching, is that what you want to do is be an offense coordinator? Um, yeah, I'm not really sure if I want to be a head coach. Um, I see some of these things that head coaches go through. and You know, it, it might be a goal 
um, just kind of where I'm at, I guess, more with my family and personally, I mean, I can give a good amount as a head or offensive coordinator, but I'm not sure time-wise right now if being a head coach or even attempting to do that would be a, a great option. I mean, it may be when my kids get a little older, they're 11 and eight right now. So at ages where I probably can't be away as much as a head coach should be. So, I mean, I kind of like that role because sometimes, you know, just as the offensive coordinator, you don't have involve yourself with all the things sometimes that aren't even related to football you know I feel like I get to focus more on football in my role than if I was the head coach you, you got to worry about a lot of other things that sometimes have nothing to do with football at all so I do kind of appreciate being in that role so yeah I I want to be a head football coach but then the old, the more this goes on the more I'm like oh I like being when I was OC I liked it or I'm the run game coordinator so I just worry about installing the run and I call, I'm not going to call the run plays, but I'm going to tell them like, this is here. And a part of me is like, I don't, especially during COVID year, like I don't have to worry about. Yeah. A lot of logistical things right now that, I mean, people probably never in their wildest dreams have ever thought they'd had to worry about. So yeah, cause... well, I guess in that role that I'm not in that position, because I mean, a lot of people across the country are making a, a lot of tough decisions that I'm kind of fortunate I don't have to make. Yeah, the, the our head coach, he was a D coordinator for a couple of years, so it was his first head coaching job, but he's been at the school. Yeah. And so in the summer, you know, I'm brand new. He hired me. I said, aren't you glad you took this job? I keep telling him that. And I'll, I can't tell you what he said, but it wasn't curse words that are not allowed to be said, but it was. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's a great time. Um, yeah, I know there's some guys who are on the area who, you know, kind of get put into jobs. Some of them landed the jobs, you know, pre-March quarantine. And I'm just scratching my head, just saying, oh, man, I'm, you know, I'm not envious of these guys right now as they're trying to coordinate, you know, some of them new to the school. You're trying to meet your guys and you can't do it. You know, it's just, it was a tough time to try to, I guess, get a, get your stamp on your program, if you will. And, you know, so, yeah, I'm not envious of those guys trying to start something up right now. No, uh I got hired in June, like it was either June or the beginning of July, I can't remember. And a part of me even then was like, just for this job, I don't even know if I should do it. But like, but who knew? I didn't, I was like, who knew that this was going to happen? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, see, I told you something shiny happens and I start going this way. Uh, too much Joe Rogan. Yeah. Um, so you coached a little defense, you said, so you had to learn that. Um, do you think coaching defense helped you with offense? Because I've done that. I had to coach defense and then go back to offense. I was like, I understand what's going on better now. Like, yeah. when they line up this way, this is happening and this and that. Yeah, I would I would say so. Uh, primarily, I've just been D-line throughout my career uh, coaching. I haven't coached a ton of really. Like, I mean, I did that one year, just real basic secondary, just helped with them. I wouldn't say I was in charge of coverages or anything like that. You know, it's just real, real basic. But it definitely has. Uh, one thing that I always need to continue to improve upon, you know, I think a lot of guys will always say they want to focus on what, what can I do offensively? What can I do offensively? What can I learn about? Or, you know, I've tried to get in my head and I need to learn more about what defenses are doing. So that goal of mine as I've gotten older here and I've got a better grasp of what I wanted to do offensively. And I've been fortunate enough to coach with guys who allowed me to stay within what I know they've been kind of giving me the keys, I guess, and as long as I'm not getting too crazy and, you know, contrarian with some of my offensive things that I do that, you know, it's allowed me to just focus, I guess, more on learning more about what defenses are doing. And I still need to learn a lot more, just some of the more intricate things that teams are doing with, you know, rolling coverages and why they're doing certain things on specific downs and, you know, why they're stemming here and doing, you know, just all those little things that, you don't think about when you're younger that you have to think about a little bit more as you're facing better teams too. And you're, as you're further along and whether you're a small school or big school, you know, the further along you go, the better competition you're facing, they're going to give you different looks. And if your offense is doing well, which we've always had a pretty good offense, you, you don't always see the vanilla looks that you, that team would show if they're playing somebody on film who maybe isn't quite as good. So you're always trying to learn and trying to get better. And, you know, I've, you know, focus a lot of uh, time reading about, you know, more intricate defenses and 
try to go to, you know, Coach Alexander out of Texas, who has a lot of good things defensively. Picked up a couple of his books and just kind of going through them now. I wouldn't say I've read all of them, but just kind of browsing through it. And one of those things that you, I need to continue to learn and grow from. You, you took the words out of my mouth. You said that I was looking at my bookshelf and I was like, oh yeah, I have his books sitting right there. And uh, people ask me that too. Like, what do I do for offense? Not, I act like I'm big time. I'm not. People ask me a little bit. Um, and I said, go coach defense. And they don't like that answer. And I said, go, because I know this is about you, not about me, but I go off. Um, when I went to Charleston my first year, he goes, what do you want to do? And I said, offense, offensive line, defensive line. That's it. He goes, okay. Next day, he goes, I'm going to bring you on board. I was like, okay. He goes, you're JV defensive coordinator. You're helping out the varsity defense coordinator and you're coaching linebackers. And I said, what? And he goes, you're you're going to learn. And I was a brat. I was 23 or 24. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and, but then when I went back to offense, I was like, oh, when they line up like this, this is why. If we run this, they're going to like, like, you could figure it out a little bit of like this or that. And But being young, and my, when I was offense coordinator, if I saw a roll coverage starting to happen and my quarterback didn't see it, I'm like, how could you not see that? I could see it, blah, 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 and, and all that stuff. But you're, I was 25, and I'm like, you should know. And now that I'm going to be 30, um, I'm like, I don't act that way anymore. <laughs> no, that's a definitely a huge asset, I think, to have that knowledge and to be th being thrusted into those roles. I mean, like I said, I haven't coached really – Thorough, thorough D-back play, besides a real basic or linebacker play. So I'm always trying to learn about that, and I'm always trying to go to my my guys and my buddies who have been D-coordinators or are D-coordinators and say, how, how would you guys line up to this? I'm always looking to see what different guys would – how they would line up certain formations and see what their thinking is and why they would do that. And I'm actually fortunate that I have a brother who's a D-coordinator at a junior college out in Iowa, so – you know, if we got, you know, some questions or gathering, I mean, we don't talk a ton when we have family gathering Sometimes just keep it away, but it always comes back to that. A lot of times mm -hmm. I'm always trying to bounce ideas off of him too. And you see how they would line up or see what they would do in certain situations. So it's always fun. Yeah. Um, but now being the run game coordinator, I, it's easier now. I just focus on the box. And so I'm like, yep. when, when they line up in uh, this technique, this is what's about to happen probably, or you have to look out for this or that. So it's a lot easier than explaining to a quarterback this or that. And I do miss all of that, but being just offensive line, it's like, this is all I have to yep. look at. Um, so what's it like coaching at a private school, I guess? Um, I know private schools where you're at may not be the same that I see in Chicagoland up here. That's a whole new world for me. I'm from central Illinois. We don't have private schools. We don't, have any of that so coming up here where there's Montini, Marist and Immaculate Conception like I don't know but so what's it like coaching at a private school and I know you guys is your enrollment like pretty low though? Very low we're probably one of the lower schools uh, enrollment wise that play football and actually this is going to be our last season with 11 man they're moving to 8 man football uh, in 2000, well, the fall, hopefully fall of 2021, I guess, if that rolls out. So this is our last year of 11-man football, and just because enrollment was dipping, and there's some classes that have some smaller numbers. So it is quite a change when you're talking to me, because Freeport High School is, uh, when I was there, the numbers even dipped there enrollment-wise, but roughly around 1,200, and now it's 1,100-ish. So you're talking, going from 1,200 public school to 100 private school quite a change so you're talking at times where our studs would play would play some both ways we tried to keep the line guys for the most part on just one side of the ball to everything at Aquin now is you every everybody's basically playing both ways so it's a whole new animal as far as coordinating your practices and how that's going to work um you know, I've always would love to maybe do some up-tempo things, but never really gotten into it full-blown because those same guys that were maybe running up and down the field with going no, no huddle, some higher speeds are the same guys we're rolling right back out there on defense. So we've kind of stayed away from that. We, we'll do some situational things, but, you know, 
coordinating practices with lower numbers. So obviously we don't always get the best looks for our scout teams because we're typically using our, you know, freshmen and sophomores. So we got to kind of lay off a little bit. We don't, we don't want to beat, beat up the guys too much, the lower levels. So it's probably not nearly as intense as maybe what your scout team may look at if you're at a, we were at a 5A school and we were playing 6 and 7A schools at Freeport as composed, you know, as compared to your 1A schools. So practice is different, you know. We're fortunate we have some awesome kids at Akron right now. That are, a lot of them that were returning have played, some even since their freshman year, and, uh, you know, quite a few of them since their sophomore year. So returning a ton of experience, some guys that we really have a lot of trust in. So it's nice to be able to continue to roll with those guys in the system we've had now going into year three. So when you, when you think about going to eight, man, that's kind of interesting, kind of interesting to go to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, who, who knows? I mean, I don't know what future is going to hold for anybody, what that, what that's going to look like for, you know, I really don't know much about it. So I mean, all we're really trying to think about right now is just do whatever we can for these, this certain, this group that we have right now, the seniors of, you know, going to finish their last year with 11 man and, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone said a lot of them have been playing since their sophomore year and some two of them have been playing since their freshman year and contributed significantly actually as freshmen in the playoffs so um we're just trying to focus on those guys and not worry about what the future may hold you know as a program you know we'll think about that when that time comes but just trying to make the best of it for this last season of 11 man that's a good answer for my horrible question that was just me thinking out loud that's okay (laughs) It's um, tough, tough one to address because, you know, you don't want to start thinking about that too much when you got guys right here who are trying to finish out their careers and whatnot, you know. Right, and then we have to have a f- spring season first, too. we got to get through yep. all that jazz. Uh, so we'll, I won't be doing my job if I don't ask you about X's and O stuff. So um, first, you be an offensive line coach. Um what are some maybe everyday drills you might do? Like what's the, like when your first day, like when we get back in February, like what's the first thing you're looking to do with them and for your offense and what kind of offense you guys run and all that good stuff? Well, the guys, my own line guys, usually groan and, you know, moan and don't always like it, but it's very important. And they know that we need to do it every single day, but excuse me, we do what's called bird dogs where we're just working on our basic steps. Every single day we typically do that. That we're outside. So Monday we don't usually go out and do a ton, just because with obviously low numbers, we're still trying to rest and recuperate. Maybe if we had a physical game, you guys still may be a little sore and fatigued on Monday. We usually just get a lift in and whatnot, and then watch some film usually. But so Tuesday and Wednesday are tougher days. We'll I go through my bird dogs. We're just working a lot of our steps. We're I'm a big zone guy, so we're working a lot of those steps that we would use in some of our zone blocking. We mix a little zone and gap, but we're going to work a lot of those zone steps. Just like I said, our bird dogs where we're working our slide step, our open step, our bucket step. We're going to do those bang, bang, bang real quick on air. And then and we'll usually get in those same things with our boards, our, our slide, our open, and our bucket steps. So those are usually the two drills we're doing almost every day, depending on time and how much we have. If we're late in the season, we won't work as much. Indy, we'll get some every single, usually every day, even in the playoffs, but we're working those and we're working 
a lot of our combo drills where we're, you know, working a variety of uh, combos and stunt against our stunts and things that we'll see. So those are probably the three things I'm working most every day. Our bird dogs working our steps, our board drills, we're working those same things, working hand placement, um, you know, and then working our combo drills. We're just getting good at those combination blocks that we're going to use in almost everything that we do. You said offensively as far as what we're doing. Yes, that too, correct? Yeah, and then after that was like, what kind of offense do you run, like, and all that good stuff. I'll be doing my job if I didn't ask. Yeah, sure. Um, well, primarily, like I said, big inside zone guy. Uh, we've been doing that at Freeport for the last couple of years. And then I have at Akron, we started doing that as well. And then we're going to mix in some gap things too. I've always felt like, some people say, oh, no, you can't do that. If you're inside zone, you got to stick with that. And that's got to be what you do all the time. I've always been kind of thinking, okay, I, I get that. But if we have the guys that are capable and smart enough to mix in both, why not do it? And I felt like we've had the guys that could do both. And so we've been a mix of zone and gap. Um, we got, we've been fortunate at Freeport too. We had some good athletic quarterbacks and we got an athletic quarterback at Aquin where we need to read guys. So we're always trying to, eliminate guys from the box and take advantage of guys who creep in the box by reading people. So, I mean, there's zone read, you know, power read, our GT stuff that we're reading, you know, whatever you want to call it, counter things. We're reading people quite a bit. So we're a mix of zone and gap. Um, I'm a big believer in quick game offensively. I feel like they're real efficient throws and, you know, we completed, about 60, 61% roughly of our balls last year. And a lot of it is just our quick game. So we'll do some intermediate stuff and some sprint outs and sprinkle on some screens. But primarily what we're going to do pass game wise is a lot of quick game. You know, we did that at Freeport with success and done it at Akron with some success too. So what's your favorite quick game? Do you look at the air raid stuff and use that? Or is it something that's different? Not a big air raid. I mean, there's some good concepts and some that I dabbled with. We don't do a ton of those things where, you know, like the wide cross or mesh and things because the quarterbacks we have right now, he's athletic as all can be and an awesome athlete, but he's a little shorter. So sometimes he struggles seeing things over the middle. Um, my favorite one that we do is probably just a real basic uh, hitch seam. You know, it's one that I love to do. And we see a lot of cover threes. So we get a lot of teams. We have some pretty good receivers. So they're giving us a decent amount of cushion. We'll take that hitch all day if they're going to give it to us. You know, we feel like that's an easy five to seven yards that we can complete almost, you know, 80% of the time in my eyes. You know, we've been, we practice the heck out of that and we're good at that. And we, you know, we work on our read drills in our uh, past game and our breakdowns of who we're reading on those specific quick game routes and the quarterbacks are picking those things up and, you know, I think we do, we do a pretty good job of completing that. You know, I love that, and I love just a basic slant bubble as well. So now we have specific quick game routes that we do against odd coverages and some other ones we do against even coverages. So, I mean, against a lot of the odd coverages, I love the hitch seam, and I love the slant bubble. Yeah, Lombardi's we ran a stick from air raid, like double slants, hitch, whatever. It worked beautifully, and then – we kind of put in six. Our six was if the corner is six yards off of you, you're running a hitch. If he's anywhere within like three yards of you, you're going to stutter step and then run a go. Um, and then we got to the point, and then our receivers could tell, like if your hands were down, you're running a hitch because you're coming back. If they're up, you're telling the quarterback that's where you're, where you're going. Um, it's very simple. And then – Whoever says you can't run zone and gap schemes need to – you can. We did that at Glenbard East, did that at East Aurora. Like, you, we ran inside zone, and next play we ran power. Like, it, it, it can work. And, and power read was our bread and butter. And that's what we're going to at Addison is power and power read. That's – that, that, to be honest, was probably our – I mean, I love the inside zone, and I feel like it can give us um, an easy – you know, if we're running right, four to six yards – but our big plays that we probably got, to be honest, in the run game, were probably our power read. Because a lot of times, you know, we'll get guys flying out and our quarterback will, you know, 
make the right read and he's flying up the field. We get a good, you know, block by our guard pulling around. And yeah, we had a lot of success with that power. power um, read. Yeah. East Aurora, that's all we ran was inside zone trap and power. Um, then we would eventually run power. We just called power read or H pop. We have the H back. He's arcing all the time when all of a sudden he goes up the sink and yep. it, it worked all the time. Then, so is your inside zone step in and just going up the field? Or are you getting more double teams and going? We're up? trying to do what we can. Obviously, you know, like if we're on say inside zone to the right and we got a three tech, that guard is going to be he's got a solo block. So, um, I don't really use the terms cover and cover all the time. It's more about staying on your track. I'm more you talking more terms of that. Yeah, so I'll oh, go ahead. That's just kind of how we talk about it. You know. There's no right or wrong answer. I mean, you can get things done with whatever verbiage I guess you use, but we talk more in terms of your track and your angles that you're staying on, you know, and talking about blocking our gaps necessarily, not always talking about guys, you know, when we first struggled with early on, you know, when we were seeing some of these three stacks back, you know, 10 years ago and guys were all confused, you know, it was all about chasing guys around and we finally got a little more solid on our rules and talked about just, staying on your track and thing, those things started to make more sense. So, I mean, we're trying to get our double teams, but obviously the fronts and things that people are in, or if they, you know, stunt to are going to, you know, obviously going to change a little bit, but we're always trying to get doubles, you know, talking about our guys with checking near hip and things like that. If guy goes away, then bam, we're leaving and going second level, things like that. So. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Uh, we installed power and ISO, and my ISO looks like inside zone without blocking the end. And so I'm trying to convince – they don't know if they want to do zone this year because they had had success with it. And not to I'm, – I'm the jerk. I'm like, oh, I'm here. It's fine. We'll get it done. It's, I'm here. We'll get it done. Uh, but when I install it, I keep trying to tell them, like, this is my zone. I don't take a step to the right and just go up the field, like stay on that path unless you have the athletes. If you have the athletes, great. Go ahead. We sure. don't. We don't. And I did it at East Aurora, so we double teamed, and I figured out how to do it. Um, you know, not, I don't use uncovered, uncovered. I'm like on or down, like or away, and that's it. Like if it's on or away, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so now I'm slowly getting them to go like, oh, that's all it is? I'm like, yeah, we just don't block the end. We're, we're, we're okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever you can get uh, to me in my world – it's all about whatever we can do to make it simple for the kids so they understand it. You know, I can talk about all these awesome things and use these great terms and buzzwords and this and that, but at the end of the day, if the kids don't understand it, then that's not me and I need to find a way to simplify it. So I think I had done a decent job of getting our kids to understand it. And we try to rep it enough where it just becomes, you know, monotonous for them and it's just pounding in their head where they know that exactly what they need to do. So that's what we're trying to do. Does it always work? Heck no, but we're doing our best to try to keep it simple for them. Yeah, because at Lombard East, we were a big inside zone and trap, but we didn't want to do power read. So we figured out which Ohio State does this. And I think Ohio State stole it from us. So I'm going to say that mm -hmm. to if we were like, everybody's blocking inside zone left except for the right tackle. He's arc mm -hmm. releasing and we're reading the end and we can hand it off or whatever and do that. And then if that middle backer is giving us problems, we'll put the running back to that side, motion a guy, now he's going, and the running back is another blocker. Yeah. Um, and I brought that over to East Aurora, too. I was like, this is just another tweak of inside zone, and that's why I love inside zone, because you can do Absolutely. things like that. Now, pin and pull is a little more complicated. I don't know if I'll ever – I could coach that, but getting a kids to learn it. Yeah. especially like at a smaller school or when you're brand new, like I'm brand new, like it's not going to go that way. So. Yeah. I mean, we've looked at those things and I wouldn't, we've dabbled with it a little bit, but it's just, you know, it didn't work too well for us. So we just kind of scrapped those things. I mean, you always kind of, you know, the mad scientist and you, I mean, when you're the OC, you try to think of different ways to, skin a cat and at the end of the day it's like okay that's not working let's ditch it you know it wasn't working kids didn't quite get it so i'm not going to try to you know force them to do these things just because i want to do it because it looks cool you know we got to get them to understand you know just like i said the basics and go from there so 
dabbled with a lot of those things, but at the end of the day, we're just hanging our hat usually on inside zone and then some of the some of the basic gap scheme things where we can read people. Well, what's good about if you ever decide to try to do that with inside zone, it's not like you have to get rid of inside zone. It's just, oh, we can't do – and that's why inside zone, you can dabble with it. And if they get it, great. If they don't, oh, we still have inside zone, so we're still good. Right. And that's why when we did that, they picked up on it pretty quick. And right. so we were like, oh, there's our outside run because we, we didn't want to do wide zone. So right. if there's our outside run. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were a big trap team, big trap and stuff, so we didn't. But sometimes you had to do that, and yeah, for sure. So I'm taking yeah, a look. I mean, we, oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was dealing with some of the trap things. We always still like it. Real basic elementary play, but still one of those things. If you feel like you can take advantage of a guy inside who's maybe being a little too aggressive and running up field a little bit too much, it's there for the taking. So you know, we we'll do a lot of that stuff too. Well, and you guys are pretty successful though, so you guys can do. Yeah, we've been blessed. We've been spoiled here the last, you know, I guess two years. We were a young squad in 2018. We're still trying to learn how to win. We finished four and five, but we returned a lot of those same guys in 2019 and we're able to just roll and get on a good winning streak last year. And, you know, when we ran into a buzzsaw in Lena Winslow, which uh, in the state quarterfinals, which arguably uh, might have been one of the better teams, one, two, or three, A, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, just ran into a buzzsaw in the quarters. But yeah, we had a you know good year with the, some awesome kids and finished 11 and one. So it was a fun year. And like I said, we returned some, a lot of the good skills. We lose a couple of those linemen. So I got a few guys that I got to work with a little bit, but the skill guys were returning quite a few of them. So we're, we're excited to work with those guys. Yeah. Glenbard East um, in 2018, that was the best team I've ever been a part of. We went 9-0, and then we won the first playoff game, 10-0. and And you want to talk about a buzzsaw, East St. Louis comes to town second round. And, uh, yeah, the, we ended up being 10-1 and after that. It was yeah. – as you want to talk about frustrating. They brought six or seven every time, every time. They played cover zero. Yeah. Um, I'm six foot five. Me and their corner and safety look eye to eye to each other, and I said, "Oh, yeah, this is gonna happen." Uh, there's some studs, no doubt. I mean, I guess it was, it was kind of same Phillips a couple of years ago. I think it was they were playing maybe who was it? He uh, out of Central Illinois in the state title game, five A. I think it was five A. Rochester. I don't know. One of those teams. I think if Phillips played somebody, it might have been. But yeah, they matched them up and literally, you know, like I said, played man the whole time and brought six or seven guys and were able to just cover people down. It's, yeah, some good-looking kids there. That it's, you know, if you can do those sort of things, great, but not a, we're all not blessed to have studs like that all the time. But No, their nose – Fly around and play, though. Their nose guard was short. He had to walk like a bodybuilder. We had a sophomore offensive lineman. He picked our sophomore offensive lineman up, and his eyes went like this. And he came to the sideline, and his eyes were still like this. And I was like, "We lost him. It's done. Like, it's done, huh?" I, I don't have in my coaching playbook. I don't know what I have to. No. All right. So I take a lot of your time. I know you're a family guy. I take a lot of your time. So we'll slowly, we'll slowly wrap it up. Um, so Illinois is a dumpster fire right now. Not to get, we're not gonna get anybody in trouble. We're not doing politics. I hate how politics has made its way into this. Um. I've seen a lot of posts about their glad sports, like people I went to high school with, people, their glad sports are canceled, they're glad. Like, I saw a post one day, how could a parent ever risk their kid's life for a sport? They need to find a different hobby. And I let it, I was like, no, they don't know what they're talking about. And then the next day I was still mad. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start asking people, why do sports matter? So do you, why do sports matter? Like, I know COVID's real. It's 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 a very serious situation, but we need to keep fighting for these kids to play sports. So for you, like, why do sports matter and education, like school and sports in general? I mean, for a lot of the kids, is it whatever background you may have, um, school and athletics outlet for a lot of kids. It's a safe place when you're at school, when you're with your teachers, when you're with your coaches. That's a safe place for you to be. So. 
you know, I've always felt like we need to do whatever we can for the, the best for our students. And I get what's going on and, you know, I'm not going to get too deep into that, but sports absolutely matter and for the well-being. I mean, we're just seeing at our own school we're at, and I've seen people post all over the country about how grades have dipped for these kids who aren't playing anything or aren't doing anything. I mean, they need sports as a little motivating factor to help them academically. And that's reality for you to, for anyone to say that it, it isn't a reality is, you know, I would, I would disagree with kids who are in sports. It could be, you know, it doesn't even have to be football, anything. They're typically doing better than out of season. You know, we saw it for years at, at Freeport when we, we'd always try to keep tabs on our kids all the time and see what they were doing. But when it wasn't in season, some of the kids, we would, it would be a struggle to keep that, keep their grades up and keep them where they needed to be. So, I mean, just the mental well-being of these kids is very important. And I think athletics provide an awesome avenue for that. So, you know, I hope we can get to the back to that point where, you know, a lot of these sports that aren't being played right now are, are an option for kids. So, you know, hopefully we can get back into basketball for our student athletes in Illinois and, uh, you know, make it happen for them. Cause I feel like a lot of these kids need it. And you hear about these stories of, you know, the depression and mental illnesses and abuse going on in the homes. And I'm, I'm sure it's not a fabrication. You know, I, a lot of these kids go to school for structure. They're not always given that structure at home, sadly, you know, so I, I just feel like we need to get back to some of those things for kids to, give them a better opportunity. I agree. And it looks like a battle because saw a report right before this, that basketball is going to get moved to the spring. And mm. that's not an IHSA decision. That's the big boss saying that. And so there's a big battle going on. And yeah, it's going to get ugly. I think from just the last couple of days have come out with a lot of differing views and, Things. So I, who knows what's going to happen? You know, all we can do is just hope that kids get an opportunity to, you know, to participate in the things that they love to do. So I mean, it's going to be, it's going to probably be ugly here over the next couple months. Yeah, I will say, good for the IHSA to finally put their foot down and say, okay, like it took them long enough. I'm not, I try not to criticize what I don't know and what I can't do, mm-hmm. but I'm so glad it happened and just to fight for. I'm not saying that if we don't play, we don't play. It's a shame, but if we fight for it and we're trying, that's all I care about is. Yeah. Just they we're doing, they're thinking about what's best for kids right now, you know, and, you know, obviously I, people come out with all the different facts and figures and science or whatever else. But, you know, from what I've seen so far from different things that have been published, it seems like sports aren't really, transmitting uh, a ton of illnesses right now. So maybe that's not the case and those numbers are wrong, but it sure seems like coaches are doing whatever they can to keep kids safe, practicing the, the proper uh, you know, protocol that the state has laid out. You know, people are wearing their masks, they're distancing, they're sanitizing, they're doing what they need to do because they want to play sports. So. You know, I think they'll always continue to do that. Coaches aren't going to just neglect these things and blow it off and jeopardize these things for the kids. I mean, they're not, we're not about that. So I think the coaches will continue to do whatever we can to do whatever's best for the kids. Yeah. Uh, I probably, I, I was going to say this. We, mm-hmm. We're not going to put those kids at danger. So whatever cleaning, whatever safety, I mean, we already did it in the summer. The couple of times you got to be around in the contact days, like we, mm-hmm. Wore the mask, we social distance. If we were together, the mask were on. Uh, we put their stuff six feet apart on the field. They were six yards apart. We didn't do six, we did six yards. And we're not going to put them in a situation. No doubt. We didn't even put our pads on. I mean, we put a helmet on and that was it. So we didn't even bother with shoulder pads or anything like that. It was just helmet. And, you know, we took care of what we needed to do and didn't even, we eliminated the, you know, the gear and everything else. It was just literally helmet. And we went through a lot of just basic drills and we were able to do that in the summer successfully and done a little bit. And we'll, we're going to do something a little bit tomorrow to wrap up as the contact period ends tomorrow, I believe. So we're going to wrap up just a little bit tomorrow and just give our kids something to get excited about, hopefully. And, you know, hopefully continue to, 
go in the right direction here. Yeah, we got shut down last Friday, last Thursday. Our the numbers went up into Page County, so unfortunately, they they said pause it, um, and then Monday rolled around. I'll, I'll wrap up with this fun. It's kind of funny to me. So Monday rolls around, and I haven't heard anything. So I text the coach. So are, are we going today? And he goes, "Well, I haven't been told yes, but I haven't been told no either." And I said, "So I'll see you this evening. We'll ask for forgiveness later." Like, uh, the kids love it to see their faces. Like, they just want to be there. Like, even if they're getting yelled at, they don't care. They're just like, "Okay," like they just want to be there and to be a part of something. You know, they love that structure, whether. They want to admit it or not. The kids love the structure. You know, they love doing something with their peers, whether it's, you know, spaced out or not. They don't care. They just love to be out there participating. So that's what it's all about at the end of the day, you know, trying to help these kids and give them life lessons. That's what athletics are all about, and football especially. Life lessons that they can carry with them. Yep. Uh, Well, Coach, I appreciate all your time. I appreciate you doing this. Absolutely, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, if you ever want to, if you ever want to come back, let me know. I'm all about talking. All about it. Yeah, I love talking ball. I don't care who it is. And, you know, if anybody ever wants to hear, you know, what my dumb, crazy brain has to say, and, and I'll be happy to talk and happy to listen to anybody that wants to tell me anything about the game. So I love it. Yeah, this is this is free therapy, is what I call it. Yeah, I, I need it. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you. Uh, Anybody out there listening, thanks so much. Everyone stay safe so we can get back to normal. And I'll see you guys next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.